0: Hi, my my name is, Andre, is Andy Craig Kravitz, and and we are here at the Peoria Journal Star to talk with three folks about the on about the ongoing opioid crisis. First, we have Jamie Harwood, who is the Peoria County County Coordinator. Next, we have Monica Hend Hend Hend. Hendrickson, who is the who heads the um, the city and the county county's health depart department, and last we have Katie Andress, who is the epidemiologist for the health deep depart department. Thanks all for coming. Coming. Thank you, Andy, for asking Thank us to be yeah. here today. All right. What I would, what I would like to ask is because. Much has, much has been said over the years. We have heard about all this stuff. Why are o- opioids such a bad thing? And what I mean by that is, of course, drugs are bad. But why has this hit so hard, so fast? I mean, we have been through crack. We have been through meth. We have been through pot. I mean, we have had drugs. Why is this so, so bad?
1: I would say it's pretty much how it was introduced into the communities. Um, When we initially thought about opioids, we think about in terms of prescription drugs. And that was really the entrance point for a lot of our um, relationship to opioids for the first time. Uh, We now understand the addictive nature of them as well as the prescription issues around uh, painkillers and other different medications. And as that uh, addiction has happened and we've kind of exploited that as well as drug uh, dealers have done that and added on additional chemicals, now we're seeing what we're seeing in our community, which is high rates of mortality around our opioid issue.
0: Um, I would like to talk to Katie, uh, too, about that because um, you deal with, you know, trends. I mean, that's sort of Mm -hmm. what an epidemia does. With crack and other things, people tend not to overdose as much. You can, of of course, but you tend not to. What is it about heroin or Oxycontin or these other drugs that makes it such a risky thing to um, to, um, use?
2: Sure. Well, the rates that we're seeing are actually highest among um – fentanyl, which is recently coming in to um, play as an additive to heroin. And heroin is a derivative of morphine. And fentanyl is about 50 to 100 times more potent than wow. morphine. So end um, users may or may not know that it's been added to the heroin. So when they're using it, the risk of them overdosing from that drug is much higher,
0: and that is and that is where um Jay, Jamie comes comes in. Your office, I have spoken to you, and we've uh, talked over the years, last two two or three about the rise in overdoses. It's shocking. I mean, you see, at times we've seen one or two each week. At times we've seen more. I mean, it's absolutely. Amazing thoughts.
3: Yeah, you know when I when we talk about numbers, when I uh, back in 2016 we saw 32 drug overdoses, and those were a combination: heroin, fentanyl, fentanyl by itself, cocaine, cocaine, fentanyl, methadone, methadone, and fentanyl, and some of them were a whole poly mixture of, of drugs. In 2017, we saw 65 drug overdoses with those same combinations that I just described. Right now, in 2017, we're seeing one to two drug overdoses a day.
0: You mean eight? You mean eight? Sorry,
3: 2018. Thank you, Andy. I get
0: my years mixed up. Well, you know, eight, old old age.
3: Yeah, of course. So in 2018, we're seeing one to two overdoses a week right now uh, where people are dying. Um, And that's on an average. So most weeks, we at least see one, if not one to two.
0: And you know, and that enters, you know, and that's quite a, amazing. By the same thing, we don't see that that many many folks shot each each week or whatever. The mayor, may, may, Mayor Jim Artis, tried said set up a task force, a com, a commission um, in twenty fifteen, and he involved. A lot of these parties, um, he involved you, he involved your, your, your office. You were not there yet, but he had, well, you were, sort of. Um, but let's talk about that and the effort. One of the things that is good, I guess, about this whole crisis is it is bringing a lot of parties to together to, to work on it. Um, why don't you guys talk to me a bit about the efforts that have been Undertake taken to try to combat this.
1: So, I, I'll bring it. Begin um, when in 2016, the tri-county, which is Tazewell, Woodford, and Peoria, identified behavioral health as one of our um, health priorities, along with reproductive health, cancer, and healthy eating, active living. But specifically when behavioral health, we really looked at wanting to move the needle, so to speak, and improve the number or decrease, really, the number of deaths related to overdoses, really to address the issues around opioid and other addictive um, substances. And so with that, we've seen a lot of partners come across all three counties to really work on this issue, whether it is um, the local governments, whether it's cities or counties, the state's attorney's office, Uh, court systems, coroner, but we also have to realize that this is much more than just a municipality. This is also how our entire community organizations work. So healthcare providers, whether it's the two large hospital systems, uh, Heartland, the Federally Qualified Health Center, Human Service Center, all of them play a role as well as community folks. Uh, You know, we've now at the table, bringing in school districts has always been something we've done, but now realizing that libraries are one of our uh, leading you know, first responders to a lot of these overdoses because of the safety of a library. So really it's changed our perspective on when we deal with an issue, who are our frontline responders and how we as a community
0: you know, that with. is that is one that is one thing that I want to ask you guys all about. That's one of the things that I found because I tend to write about crime here for the for the paper. Is that you are right? The concept of who is first on the scene now has changed. It used to be, you know, the fire fire the fire fire firefighters, the medics, the cops. Now it could be a person who works at a um gas state state stage station jamie what are um, you seeing about that first that um change because I know that you've both spoken at length about this
3: we are seeing uh all walks of life. I, I think one of the uh, one of the problems that we're seeing with people with this lack of care and compassion for uh, people dying of drug overdoses is a stigma associated with the user. And I, I actually just had a group of uh, East Peoria High School students in my office today. Uh, on a tour, we were talking about the the typical drug user, and um, they were all wrong on that instinct of who they think the user is. We're seeing drug users in their 60s and 70s um, who are cocaine addicts that are actually um, mixed or taking cocaine that's been mixed with fentanyl. We're seeing people in their 20s. Our average age right now is around 43 years of age. Um, for our drug deaths. So it's not the stereotypical type of drug user that we're seeing. And not only are we seeing this age demographic, we're also seeing people overdose in the bathrooms of gas stations. We're seeing them overdose in the libraries. Um, Actually, we had an overdose uh, at one of the local restaurants in the seating area um, where someone was found dead. So they're getting their drugs and they're using them um, in these particularly, as Monica said, safe places, and that's where we're finding them dead.
0: What does the data show as to where they are from, as to who you know, what type of per person are they? What type of what type of demographics do these folks carry? Would you have that type of data as to the? You know, he talked about eight ages. Are they from the city? Are they mostly from the outline air areas? Are they men, wi- women, old, young, white, black, what?
2: So the majority of the residents that um, experienced overdose deaths in the last year were from the six one six zero five zip code. There were thirteen overdoses within that geographical.
0: But were area. the people found there? I mean, were the people were found there? But are are but are they from there? As that's far as we know, where
2: they're from. Okay. I don't have the information on where the overdose actually occurred, but that's where their um, address was.
0: Okay,
3: and Um, and, I'm sorry, in some of the cases that we're seeing when we look back and I know I provided you some of this data, Andy, um, for 2018, um, I think three of those originated from a different location compared to where they died. Um, And some of them are even coming from different communities. When I look, we're having uh, people that are residing in Tazewell County actually purchasing and using their drug here in Peoria County um, or they're using in in Tazewell County, but they die over here in, in Peoria County, maybe at a hospital. So they're they're coming from different directions,
0: Kate, Katie.
2: Sure. So the majority were males, um, about fifty five percent, with the highest rates occurring in white males. However, when you look at the rates of death, um, the highest rates occur in black males, and so the age distribution, like Jamie said, um, mostly is occurring between fifty five and sixty four. Wow. that's the majority of overdose and then followed by 35 to 44 45 to 54 age ranges
0: now are those are 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 most of those deaths are they coming from your so-called street um street um drugs um where you eat you eat, eat, either shoot shoot up or smoke it or do what whatever or are they coming from overuse of a perth a perth a prescription drug because what the average per per person might not think that if someone who is that old is going to go out on on the street looking for a fix
1: so I believe majority of them are within um from the and again most of our death data comes from what is provided from the coroner's office when they reach that scene of point of time and you know most of it is from not necessary prescription, but it's a really hard tell to make because um, by time, and Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, by time you do an autopsy and you run the um, labs on it, it pretty much has a very short lifespan, so mm-hmm. to speak, within the system. And so to collect that data is very difficult. And that's why, it's, you know, I applaud Jamie and his staff for being able to get to that scene and work so diligently with our first responders to be able to get that information and help us better understand, is it from a prescription side and it's a healthcare issue? Or is it from, like you mentioned, the street side?
0: So why don't we ask him? What is the what 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 are what are you find you finding?
3: The majority of what we're finding are are not from prescription drugs, although um, we know based on our data that um, three out of four of our opioid heroin users um, started with a prescription drug habit. Um, and knowing that, then I think we can look back at the healthcare system and ask ourselves, how did this start? And and now that we know that it exists, and that we have the seventy five percent of these people started with the prescription painkiller, how do we move forward with that data? And I think that's so important. And I'm I'm so thankful to work with Monica and, and Katie, the epidemiologist, to know this information because now that we know this information, we know that we need to move forward. Um, on a pres- to start at a prescription level, and, and what are we prescribing people for a sprained ankle or for a tooth extraction or for a, a, a sprained wrist? You know, are, are physicians still prescribing opioids for these things, or are we using anti-inflammatory medications? And I think that's a good start um, with the data that we have, knowing that. What we're finding um, on the street level uh, in the residences um, are most often um, a fentanyl or a heroin or a cocaine um, that's not from a prescription.
0: Really? And, and you know, you amend, mentioned the need to perhaps change how we do pain pain meds. Has the may mayor's co- commission or task or task force has it come in? And that would be a good forum because he is drawing. He has pulled together um, all di- different walks of um, life when it comes to uh, this. Um, what are you guys? How are you guys going to reach out? You have got all all this data da- data here. You and Kate, Katie have got data, and you guys work on the on health on health trends. There was a me- meeting last um, week that brought together a lot of so- social ser- service groups. How can we go go about? Trying to spread the word of what we need to do, and how did the mayor's ta- how did the mayor's um, group come in come in to play with that?
1: So I think it really comes back to the Tri County Community Health Needs Assessment and Improvement Plan. This is a singular improvement plan for the entire community around health, and so the task force that the uh, that Mayor Artis has been working on. It's just one component of a larger picture. When the state issued their most recent opioid plan, they looked at three pillars. One was prevention, one was treatment and recovery, and the other one was response. And I would say that what the mayor has been working on in terms of increasing that awareness through the, um, through the reading tours and the speakers, and I know the project recovery as well, really falls under that education and stigma reduction in the prevention side. But, you know, I think that's where the discussion happens, that there is other players and how they all fall under that tri-county community health needs assessment improvement plan. So while our mayor is working on a very specific portion of it, uh, when we talk about our health care providers and the meeting that you uh, mentioned, the annual meeting for the improvement plan – The healthcare community is looking at quality improvements within their own system and how often they prescribe, looking at changing it from, as they call it, the smiley face scale of pain Mm -hmm. to much more of an understanding if you're walking, you're talking, then you're really not in pain compared to that self assessment and self perception. Um, We have the uh, sheriff that's looking at bringing in a treatment facility in his own um, capacity at the jail. And we are also, the health department actually facilitates a Narcan advisory group, or we call it Narcan 101, where we're asking all of our first responders, because um, right now we've talked about overdose deaths, but before they get to that, they have to overdose. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to get a better understanding of how many overdoses we see there before they get to Jamie's door, so to speak, and where did those... Um, land in our community and how are we responding to those and so a lot of our key players are our ems services such as peoria fire uh peoria police and amt and so i think we do have all the players it's just also realizing that uh, you know i'm a health department and uh, we do data and we do reporting and we are very good at convening community partners uh And so it's also understanding that the trust and let's just say egos need to be put aside so that I trust that what Jamie's doing in terms of his coroner response is using his subject matter experts to do that, while the hospitals as subject matter experts are doing their due diligence as well. So I think what the mayor was able to do is really start the dialogue and continues to start that dialogue. And, you know, I think that it's all part of one larger community improvement plan.
0: You know, you mentioned both of uh, uh, both of you have mentioned the concept of stig, stig- of stigma. Um, why is that such a big deal, and why do we need to talk about it more? I mean, you you the drugs is not a good thing. I mean, there are some people who would say that we're trying to make a victim out of someone who chose to. To, to use drugs. Uh, others would uh, say that we have to try to do whatever we can to get the folks into some type of care. What do you guys think? What is, what is the, why is sting, sting, stigma such a big deal right now? And anyone one of you could jump in.
1: I would say it really focuses on the fact that as we have better understandings of how our minds and bodies work, we're understanding that this really is a substance abuse disorder. It is a health issue versus what I think people mention as a life choice, so to speak. And so taking that approach and understanding that it is part of a medical condition, as well as someone's behavioral aspects and how it manifests, really takes our understanding away from you're doing drugs, shame on you, versus okay, we have, we have <clears throat> better or not, facilitated someone that has a tendency to have addictive natures into an addictive pathway. And so where does the um, responsibility as a community lie in that scenario? And so I think that's why the stigma becomes a large issue.
2: And that negative stigma may prevent someone from seeking help.
0: You know, Kate, 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 Katie. I was just about to ask to ask you, so thanks. <laughs> um, as someone who um, tracks, as someone who uh, tracks da- data, and as someone who looks at this, is there any re- research looking at um, how fast a person gets hooked? And and I and I and I ask that because the May, mayor's task force or group um, has. Um, Touted the film chase, "Chasing the um, chase, Chasing the um, drag, Dragon," which was made by the FBI and the D and the DEA um, to show the perils of opioids. And the term chase, chasing the uh, drag drag dragon comes from someone who is trying to get back to that very first high. That first high is tends to be the best one, and you want to constantly go back to that. And you're trying to get to that. Um, is there any da- data out there to say? Because that's one of the things that I have heard by in my re- research here is that it's so you could get hooked super fast without even knowing that you're hooked you could try it once twice and you're done in other words you're you're hooked that fast have you found it Any any, anything like like um that sure
2: i don't have any specific numbers but i do know that both heroin and fentanyl are highly addictive substances and yes a person can become addicted after their first use of that substance
3: and I agree. I agree with her. I want to give a shout-out to Chris Scheffner from the Human Service Center who's actually watching our broadcast right now live. And I think Chris would um, actually comment on our wait. website to say, Hey, Chris, <laughs> um, I think Chris would agree. Um, for some people, it only takes one use. Um,
0: and I, why is it? that? As someone who's never t- taken any of these drugs, I really can't f- fathom. I just can't get how it can be that much of a hook or that much of, of a draw.
3: And, and for some people, it is. It, it changes the uh, the um, endorphin switch in your brain. It changes the chemical component and what your drive and what your need is to fulfill that um, synthetic opioid that's been in your brain. Now you have to continue f- to feed it. It's, it's a medical condition, like Monica said, that you just don't have control over once you have that substance in
0: your body. Speak. Speaking of med med, med medical, Jane, Jane Jamie, you 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 were a nurse for many years. Yeah, a long 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 time. That's a lot of longs, Andy. <laughs> eh, well, you know. Um, <laughs> but um, you uh were a nurse, and could you tell me a bit about what you've seen over over time when it comes to these type of drugs? I mean. I, I have not done it. I don't know whether whether they have, but you actually can say I was in the emergency room in tw- 25 years back, and I could re- remember seeing X, Y, and Z. Now I can remember over time how it's changed. I mean, you're one of the few people, and now because of your job now, you are seeing it from a completely di- di- different and sad
3: yeah looking back on my career, so long, long time ago it was twenty years ago uh, that I started my nursing career Wow, and I remember back then we had a book uh, in positioned in the emergency room we had one, uh, and at that time, I was at Unity Point. Um, We had a book that we kept in the emergency department um, of all of our frequent flyers, as we called them, and who was narcotic seeking. Uh, If we had someone arrive that wasn't in the book, we'd call across the street to OSF at the time, and if they had them in their book, then we knew we shouldn't be prescribing. But I can tell you, time and time and time and time again, we were still sending people out with prescriptions of hydrocodone, Vicodin, um, and and, uh, medications such as that. I almost feel like at this junction during those times over the last 20 years, we've been a part of the problem, to be honest, where we would send someone with an ankle sprain out with 60 tablets of Vicodin, um, and then, and then they'd go to their doctor and they'd get a refill of another 60 tablets. It was compounded in our brains over and over again uh, to address pain um, for our patients. And if we weren't managing their pain, they were giving us low satisfaction scores on the patient satisfaction level which affected um, our, our reimbursements. So it was this perpetuating snowballed problem that's occurred over the years. So I, I almost feel like we've been part of the problem, to be honest, controlling and managing pain.
1: But I would also add to that, I mean, I'm not in the nursing field, but I think when we were talking just in the past year from our Narcan advisory group, one of the things we learned was that um, originally people have been um, using to overdose uh, or to reverse an overdose about what two milligrams of um, the medication. And now they're... I mean, they're just assuming that four milligrams is a basic baseline value. So even how much we're giving to reverse a drug overdose has exponentially grown to combat these because of the potency of fentanyl and everything added to uh, to heroin.
0: Why Why do you think fent- fentanyl just so suddenly showed, showed up out of the blue? I mean, it seems kind of it was here, it was here, it was here, then bam, it was there.
1: I think you answered the question when okay. you said that somebody wanted to get that first high. And so when you kind of slope down from there to get back to that first high, you're going to want to see what you can add to those type of drugs to make it. Um, one of the interesting facts is that part of the state's plan, even our local plan, is under response is when someone's incarcerated and then they leave that uh, facility or correction facility and go back into the street, so to speak, they're at a very high risk of dying of an overdose because – when they had that lag to get back to that high, they take on a lot more,
0: mm-hmm.
1: lot more drugs,
0: or or could it be that their that their um level of of resistance went. Down, in other words, if you don't use for X amount of time, you might not need as much, but you but you are still taking the same amount, and that a- affects you, right or no? Yeah, and nice.
3: I yeah I think that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Um, looking for forward, forward um, I have talked to the to the pol to the police and to and to the sheriff, and what they say is the common line: we cannot arrest our way out of of this i've talked to so social service people who talk about needle x needle x ex, exchange pro program we've talked about Nar, narcan use um and we've also talked about the need to get more on um, beds here to just to have more beds all this cost a lot of money all this Takes the will of the people who want to um, do it. I'm asking you. I'm asking you three who know way more about this than I will e- ever know. What do we need to um, do here? What is the road forward? Forward. This is all of what we have done. What do we need to to uh, do? Looking forward. Forward. People now know you shouldn't take a bunch of, vi- of Vicodin. P- people now know heroin's bad. Most people know fent- fent- fentanyl's out there. Most p- people know the cops are looking for this type of stuff, yet we still have this issue every single day, every single week. Um I'm not saying that things aren't working, but I'm saying what can we do that is better or what could we do more of and what do we need? So I'll start on this, on this end, and we can work our way down. Thank you, Andy, for that.
2: (laughs) Well, all of the strategies you mentioned are evidence-based strategies, and they target different aspects of that continuum of care, whereas needle exchange programs are an effort to harm reduction. So you're going to reduce um, individuals with substance abuse from getting diseases or comorbid conditions um, if they're using dirty needles. So by exchanging them out for clean needles, you're reducing potential harm from substance abuse. With the Narcan, you're reducing the potential overdose deaths. So by getting more Narcan into hands of family members or people who use with other individuals with substance abuse issues is going to help reduce the amount of deaths due to overdose, because a lot of times you're right, people are using in different areas, like the library, and, you know, EMS might not be the first ones to respond. So by having that in someone's hand who's close by is going to help reduce the risk of death from that overdose. Um, And then also treatment facilities, getting patients in for um, long term treatment um, to reduce that addiction.
1: I would say, going along with what Katie mentioned, it's going to be twofold. One is addressing the fact that it is a community response. All the players need to really come along, and which they have been, but I think more in a singular approach of this is a goal that we are all working towards, kind of a collective impact model about our goal is to really take this needle and move it down. So I think that's part of it. The second part is also understanding how health equity plays a really key part and not just only opioid addiction or heroin addiction, but a lot of other addictive and health disparities that we see in our community. So understanding the different barriers that different groups of people need to address, um, whether it's if you are having a behavioral health and you're moving towards using opioids or different drugs to cope with those, what can we do in terms of an upstream issue? Is it poverty? Is it economic development? Is it access to care? All of those, I think, are also, larger issues as a community, we have to understand in terms of how we address health disparities through identifying health equities.
0: I, I and I would like to touch on one thing that you said. You said that it is a that this is this is the world that we that we live live in, but why should folks care? If they live in a part of town where this does not happen, if they do not know a single person who has done, who has done, who has done this, if they don't abuse drugs and none of their friends do, and they don't know a single person who does, there's a lot of folks who are not touched by, by this whatsoever. Or are they?
1: I think the question is, they are. Why? Because when you look at the health of a community, it doesn't reside within an individual. It's based on what's called the totality of everyone in that community. And so while we might be um, isolated from this health issue, the larger entities that have um, built this and have kind of moved this crisis to the point of where it is, is not just related to opioids. We're looking at the same upstream factors when we look at heart disease and obesity, Mm -hmm. homicide, Mm -hmm. and other social and behavioral health issues. And so I think it would be naive to think that while I don't know anyone directly related to the opioid issue, I do know a lot of individuals that are having health issues or those disparities that come from the same upstream starting point. And I think that's where, as a community, our approach really needs to look at because When it comes down to it, as a community and as an individual, very little is based on your individual decisions as a health. It's really based on the community around you, social economics, your behaviors, and the environment that you live in.
0: Jamie?
3: And I'm glad to hear Monica say that, that this is not not based on what I know as an individual. I can guarantee um, your readers, our listeners today, that we have cocaine users, we have heroin users that live in the 61525. That's where I live in the Dunlap uh, zip code. We have drug users in there. Just because you don't know that particular individual doesn't mean they don't exist. And they're at just as high a risk for that addiction and for that death as the person in the 050403 zip code. It actually breaks my heart to think that we have individuals in our community that, f- that think that this is an individual issue that doesn't affect them. I totally agree with Monica um, that this is a community health issue that we as a community need to come together um, and work towards solution um, for this issue. And in my mind, when I think about how do we solve this issue, well, clearly I think we have – I think we still have an awareness issue where people aren't really fully aware about what's going on. Secondly, I think we have – an access issue and access to um, drug treatment. And when we have access to drug treatment and we get an individual in for treatment, they need to have an individualized treatment plan specifically for them and for their addiction and maybe even for their mental health um, issue that they might have. Uh, third, we have to have funding um, to support um, the treatment center and the treatment of the individual. And I think we lack in the funding for treatment, I think we lack in the access to treatment centers, and I think we
0: lack in awareness. You um you uh, mentioned a lack of um of um of um awareness. There is there is going there is going there is going to be an event next month, um April twenty first, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you guys talk about that? Tell tell me what 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 it is.
1: So my understanding, this is an event that was um, based from an individual that had a very much personal connection to the opioid crisis, and that her goal was to really bring together resources from across the community, think of it as a resource fair, but really to kind of shine a light on what is available in our community and how we can, as a community, Leverage it for the individual as well as create partnerships and collaborations to help address this.
0: And that is known as the the recovery project, right? And that is also co um, co um, spon- sponsored by the may, 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 mayor's task mayor's task force. And for those who who would like more in more more information on that you can go to the city of the city of Peoria's website and there is a a link for the mayor's co- co- Commission on um, hair heroin use um, guys is there any, anything else that you guys would 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 like to add? Going once, twice.
1: Thank you for having us. Well, I yeah,
3: do. And thank you for bringing up the Recovery Project, too. It, it, it's going to be an opportunity for people to talk to other people who have been through the addiction process and that continued journey of recovery. There's going to be a ton of resources. There are going to be speakers, booth set up, Narcan training going on, a ton of things for a lot of people in our community to come together um, as a jointed, united front um, to help each other in our community go through a recovery.
0: Katie? You're good? Yep. Thanks right. for having us. Well, well, uh, well, well, uh, thanks very very much for all for all of the folks who who have tuned who have tuned in. I'd like to say thanks to Jamie, Monica and Kate Kitty and that is it. We are finished. Thanks.